Welcome to episode 14 of Around the League. I'm with my boy Tuan. We're here live at Studio Highland Optical. Today we're going to cover some exciting events in the NBA. Um, the playoffs are look, looking super exciting right now, but before we get into uh, get into everything, let's touch in with our boy. Tuan, what's up? Game 7, baby. Game 7. The two most exciting words in sports. Um, Raptors have a chance to come back from a 2 nothing deficit, come back from a horrible game, game 5, and... Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to to the next 12 hours so that we can watch the game at 9 p.m. Yeah, man, we got uh, two series in the West right now at three to one. Miami's advanced. Um, they swept Milwaukee, or no? They were they finished three one, four one against yeah Milwaukee, and we got the Raptors and the Celtics uh, battling it out in the game seven. So definitely exciting times. Um, let's give respect to the Miami Heat. Let's start with them. Let's talk about them because, like you said, gentlemen sweep. Um, against the league's best team. And uh, what are your thoughts? So for the first three games where Giannis played played the, the majority of that series, um, they, they just were the better team. They, the mismatch that they had, I think, remember when we were doing the uh, playoff predictions? I had the second round series going seven because... When we were making those predictions, they just added Iguodala, they just added Jay Crowder, and even for for me, I was I didn't understand how impactful those guys would be for that team. That's a trade that really changed their season because Jay Crowder being playing poorly in Memphis, same with Iguodala who was sitting out, and I feel like they gave that team a real big boost having those young uh, two guys in. Uh, Oh, sorry, even none. So with three guys, none, uh, Robinson, uh, Harrow. Uh, I think those guys really picked up on those bets and their tendencies, even having Butler there now. Uh, huge get for them. And I think just a combination of the experience of Coach Bo in the playoffs, having led that team with two championships in this decade, having Jimmy Butler there, who's you know a, an experienced playoff performer, and now he has the chance to lead his team. And then, again, just with all the heat culture talk that you hear about, even before the series, before this playoff series, and uh, within the last like decade, you always hear about this heat culture. But I think we're really seeing it come to fruition, especially in the bubble when everything is neutral. And it hurt Milwaukee not having home court. I think they're the ones who probably got uh, most affected by it because, again, they're the one seed, they're playing the five seed, and Miami was, is not a good road team. And Milwaukee was a great road and home team. So I think that definitely hurt them in that sense. And then, yeah, Milwaukee, I think we, we know the players that they have. And I think everyone was scared, especially Bucks fans, that Chris Middleton wasn't going to show up. Eric Bledsoe wasn't going to show up, which he really didn't. At least Middleton, when Giannis was hurt, he was able to put that team on his back, at least game uh, win game four. And, you know, it was a close game in game uh, game five as well, but Bledsoe didn't do anything. He couldn't get a shot on. He couldn't uh, make plays for other players. And then their bench and role players just weren't that good without Giannis. Giannis is the basically the engine behind this whole, this whole team. And when you take him out and guys like 
uh, Connaughton, guys like who's the other shooter on that team? Um, uh, my apologies for that, but yeah, they just they didn't, they didn't get anything going. And Coach Bud again, I think he messed up really early on by only playing those guys 34, 35 minutes in those first three games, and then I know he uh, let. Middleton play like 45 minutes in game four when they really needed to win and when Giannis is out. So I don't know, man. It's it's a bit of everything for them. And I think this is a repeat of last year as well. Um, they just weren't able to beat an inferior team. And yeah, we'll see what happens. Like, What are your thoughts on next steps moving forward for this team in the future? Well, yeah, real quick. What I wanted to say was um, what I find, I didn't know if Miami was going to have the opportunity to click. You know, they brought in the veteran leadership to sort of round out their roster with the younger players. And somehow, someway, these guys look like they've been playing for at least a season and a half. These guys look in sync. They look like they're on the same page. And um, they know who to go to. What I find most special about Milwaukee is Jimmy Butler only took under 10 shots in the last game. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the rest of the team is just rising to the occasion. The Duncan Robinsons, the Tyler Harrows, Jay Crowders, Bam Adebayo. Mm -hmm. They're playing Raptor-style basketball where they're not going to one guy, not relying on one person. You're getting four, five, six guys averaging double digits. And I just didn't think that they were going to hit their stride so quickly um, coming into the bubble. So hats off to them. Like you said, the bubble neutralizes all of home court. Um, with Milwaukee, it's, it's simple, you know, I just can't believe Boonholzer wasn't throwing the kitchen sink at them after their for at least their second game loss. Um, you would have thought that playing a young MVP, all-defensive player, um, you leave that guy on the court at all times. Yeah. If Nick Nurse is playing OG Ananobi 50 minutes, you should be playing Giannis at least 45, at least, in a game where your back's against the wall. And they didn't. It looks like his... Um, and going forward, it looks like his job security is... Is still there. Milwaukee released a statement saying that they're not going to uh, fire um, Boonholzer, but rumor has it that they're going to get rid of Bledsoe. I think the glaring, the glaring uh, deficit for Milwaukee was not having Brogdon. And say what you want, they just acted too quickly on Bledsoe last year with yep. that contract extension. Yep, yep. Um, it's a mistake that they made and a mistake that they now have to live with, not having a floor general, because uh, Giannis needs... Um, Giannis needs brains behind him because honestly that guy's just going to run through a brick wall through, for his team but to his own detriment yeah. so I think that uh, going forward they need to add some either veteran leadership or a savvy point guard to uh, to steer the ship yeah, and I think that leads into the rumors that we've been hearing the last week or so since they've been eliminated that Chris Paul is on the, the trading block especially with Billy Donovan not getting his contract renewed and mutually um, separating from that franchise. It'd be interesting to see where he goes. I'm sure a young team um, looking for a head coach will uh, will be delighted to have him on their coaching staff. I think he did a great job um, with that team this year, obviously a coach of the year candidate. And yeah, I think they're just gonna uh, give the keys over to Shea Gilgis-Alexander and um, look to see what they can get for Chris Paul, who's again, on probably on his last leg. Probably his third, fourth, second, third, or fourth last season um, in the league. So he, I think he would be the perfect fit for Phil Milwaukee, a guy that still has a reliable jump shot, a guy that is probably the best floor general 
uh, alongside Lowry um, in the league in terms of getting guys involved, picking his spots, just doing the small things to really win. And he, yeah, he would be an excellent fit for that team. I'm not sure how the contracts would go. I know Milwaukee doesn't have trade assets, so they would ha- they would have to be, I don't know, a three way trade or just something. Um, Something outside of the box there. So it'll be interesting to see. I know Chris Paul has a huge contract as well. So if Milwaukee is able to put a package together, then it'd be interesting to see Giannis, Chris Paul, Middleton, and then that supporting cast coming to next season. Yeah, I think uh, Milwaukee's saying all the right things right now, doing all the right things right now, because you're talking about a team that for two years straight was at the top of the league with the best, with arguably the best regular season player in the league. Um, I feel like they're saying all the right things right now. They're protecting their coaches' um, job security. Uh, Giannis is coming out and saying exactly what you need to be saying as a superstar when your franchise is sort of uh, concerned about retaining you. Um, they're doing all the right things, saying all the right things, but you're right. They don't have trade assets, so it's going to be really interesting to see what they can actually do. And if they don't surround Giannis with another player or two next year and they have the same disappointment that they, they've experienced in the last two years... Um, I'm sorry, but no matter how loyal someone is, uh, in this NBA, you're jumping ship. Yeah, uh, it's he's he's different though. He's a different cat. That's what they say. You know, he's a different cat, and even just from watching him and the way he speaks and just the perception that we have of him, I th- I think he's at least he's gonna give them another like two years mm-hmm. because I re- uh, I heard somewhere that um, after his contract's over and if he does sound like a two-year contract, like how LeBron and those guys have always done in the last few years, that'll hit his 10-year vet like uh, threshold, and that's where you're going to get the big money. That's where he's going to get like $55 million a year. Yeah. See, he strikes me as the type of guy that would be like, what's 50 compared to 40? Like Like, I could see him taking a pay cut. I could see him being like a pay cut guy, but what I'm thinking of is like, the incompetence within the organization. Like managerial incompetence, they got rid of Brogdon. Um, head coach incompetence, the guy was playing him um, as if he was like Kawhi Leonard in the regular season. Um, I don't know why they were trying to load manage him. There's just a little bit of incompetence in Milwaukee that I think would get frustrated if they showed to still have it next season. I think there's just a little bit. I don't. I, obviously, that's a great franchise that's uh, on the... On the rise, but again, they were one quarter away, one overtime quarter away from being up three nothing against the Raptors. And I think with with everything that transpired um, in last year's later rounds, they could be champions. And who knows what how this season would have turned out, right? And again, again, just another yeah, just ill-advised strategy by Bud. And he'll be the, he'll still be the coach. I think he's done too much for that team. He was coach of the year last last year, like an excellent regular season. Obviously, I think they just went up against a really really bad matchup with the with the Heat. Uh, I, I feel like they're similar to the I believe it was the 06 Mavericks, who again who had a great regular season and they just played the Golden State Warriors, who had their former head coach on the other side of or the, on the other side of the or the, court, the 2015 right? Raptors. Or 2016 Raptors, first in the league. Exactly. Just run into exactly. LeBron exactly. two years like, in a row. It's but just like you keep, going, you keep building on it. and The thing is, La- or Giannis should be that guy that people hate to see in the playoffs. 
um, he should have a team strong enough that they're that team because he's not only the MVP, um, he's a defensive player in the year, defensive player of the year as well. So yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that organization. Um, I think that Miami just took a turn for the better so quickly, and now they're a team that is not only going to be good for consecutive years to come, uh, they're going to be a free agent destination oh, as well. For sure. Now they have Hero Robinson. Out of bio, those three guys are studs. Those yeah. guys are studs. And this man. is what Pat Riley needed. You know, they call yeah. him the Godfather of basketball. He need he needs this um, this sample to show the rest of the league of this is what we can accomplish. This is what's this is what we're about. Because a lot of people were saying, you know, um, the Heat were only good because of the three the three headed monster, right? Yeah. The LeBron Wade's and uh, Bosch. and Bosch. And when 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 LeBron left, you know, Pat Riley was so. Uh, he was getting very defensive about the Heat culture and what, what LeBron's leaving and what they're yeah. about. And even when he left, they were still making playoff experiences. They were still like doing the best they could with what they had. They they had a stretcher where they, they weren't looking like a franchise that was a top-tier franchise. They were signing Kel, Kelly Olenek to big money, James Johnson to big money. I think they threw big money at... They were in Hassan, trouble. Hassan, Hassan Whiteside, they were in trouble. They were in trouble. I'm, I'm not, I honestly don't know how they got out of that... Out of that situation, I'm actually. Draft, I think draft picks. They just yeah. they drafted yeah. oh. they drafted two um, two guys that are not like players from their generation, just really hard workers and with the buy in that the Heat need. And look at them now. Yeah, exactly. That's it's it's all drafting. They got out of bio. I think like late lottery. Harrow was a late lottery pick. Uh, Robinson was a second round, or was he undrafted? He was he was a very, he was a very late. If he was drafted, it was a very late pick. So they're they're doing what the Raptors have done really well in the last few years. It's just finding gems, finding guys like Fred VanVleet, finding guys like Norm Powell or OG Ananobi in the late first or even undrafted, right? So those are the guys that you need. And um, yeah, they somehow dug themselves out of that hole and they are looking like a threat for years to come. Yeah. Well, they get to put their feet up. I know Crowder. I know Iguodala could use that. Yeah. Um, I saw a crazy thing on on Instagram. Believe it or not, I think it was one of these twelve year old accounts. But um, <laughs> in the in the last <laughs> nine years, um, either the Heat or Andre Iguodala have been in the finals. Because True. for 2010, 11, 12, whatever, you had the Heat, and then after that, you had Golden State from yeah. twenty fifteen to twenty nineteen. Yeah. So it's either been the Heat or Andre Iguodala. In, in the finals for the last nine years. Well, we'll, we'll see if that trend continues. We'll see. Um, okay, let's quickly jump into the LA series. Both LA, of them, yeah. yeah Lakers, Rockets. Um, uh, yesterday, they played game four, and the Lakers beat the shit out of the, the Rockets for three quarters. And then the Rockets made a, I believe, 17-2 run late in the fourth. To get it down to like seven or eight, but it was way too late. And they are a team that's not looking too good right now. Down three one, losing Daniel House to a COVID tester. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they they James Harden had another pathetic performance. I think it was like two for eleven or two for something, and he just hasn't been able to show up at all. Um, during these playoffs, especially Game Seven against OKC, and now in crucial games against the Lakers, uh, it's it sucks, you know, for me to say it. Obviously, working for their for Addy and having him as our our flagship athlete 
under basketball, it's really shitty to see him underwhelmingly perform at this level right now, especially when they need him at at every stage in this uh, in this playoff. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that series right now, and what's what's your prediction for for it? I mean, are you surprised? I guess because it happens once a year. It happens once a year, but I thought that you know they've they've really built this team around him and Westbrook, and I think they've they've tried to capitalize on the moves that they made during the the season, trading Capella and getting all these guys that are just shooting threes, getting Covington, who's kind of just that guy that roams roams the floor, trying to get blocks, deals, and shoot the three. And I thought that you know, well, again with Mike D'Antoni being the coach that he is that this is kind of the setup that James Harden needed. And he could go off for 30 points, get 10 assists, get everyone involved, and just kind of play a style that hasn't been seen before. But, yeah, they're just coming. Yeah, they just got, you know, up against a really strong Lakers team that's playing very well right now. Even though they struggled uh, in the bubble getting their groove up, I think they, you know, lost that game one to Portland. Then they just beat the shit out of them. Yeah, they lost game one to Houston, and now they're just rolling. And LeBron and AD are looking really, really good. Um, LeBron James does not look like he's in his 17th season. AD looks energized at every at every new game, and even the bench players are playing well. KCP's playing well. Kuzma's playing well. Crusoe made a huge shot yesterday, and even Danny Green making like some big shots. So they're getting rolling. And it'll be interesting to see how how they um, seal the series up. Yeah, because coming at, going into this season or going into this series, it was going to be about Westbrook and Harden versus AD and LeBron. It was going to be about the front court versus the back court. One team is so strong in the back court, the other team is so strong in the front court. Unfortunately, Houston doesn't have any front court rim protection mm-hmm. or not adequate rim protection. So um, you knew that AD and LeBron were going to get their points. You knew that you were hoping that uh, Westbrook and Harden were going to answer back by just out shooting them, outscoring them, and playing that that super high tempo style of basketball that Houston needs to play in order to uh, in order to survive. But what I, what happened, which is so interesting, is that everyone was saying Westbrook is underachieving and he needs to step up. So game three, I believe, he finally drops thirty alongside Harden, and you know uh, LeBron and AD do their thing. The, the Achilles heel was Rondo. And then the game after that, the Achilles heel was, um, was like you said, Caruso and Kuzma. So um, who would have thought that the Lakers supporting cast was going to rise to the occasion the way that they did? And Houston supporting cast, um, the Aaron Gordons and the Austin Rivers weren't able to weren't able to rise to the occasion. So that it really was, you know, you knew that the stars were going to do their thing. But this series has been all about the supporting cast. And I think the interesting thing going forward is people were saying that if Houston couldn't get past the first round, they were going to blow up this team. They were going to, you know, D'Antoni was going to leave. That was going to be the end of small ball. And I think that if they don't win this series and if they win in, or if they lose in a gentleman's sweep, you have to have the same conversation. You have to sort of evaluate this entire approach. I personally hope I don't see it again. Um, I don't think it's very fun basketball to watch. It's definitely unorthodox and you're seeing why it doesn't work by looking at looking at that a team like Houston match up against a team like the Lakers. Uh yeah, I'm not sure how much flexibility they have 
to even change it up next season. I know they traded all those draft assets for Westbrook. They, they basically traded away the better player and had to give up two first-rounders and two swaps, two draft swaps, uh, to get rid of him. And they got Westbrook, who, again, is probably my most hated, like, relevant NBA player, just the way he plays. Um, game two, they were they, they, they were up going to the fourth, and he kind of shot them out of out of that game. And I feel like that was a turning point of the series. If they had gone up 2 nothing, put some pressure on the Lakers, then, you know, or and just give them some, like, flexibility and some room for some error, right? And he really messed up game two. And, yeah, I'm just, I hate the way they play as well. I hate the way Westbrook plays. And Harden hasn't been able to knock down those ISO, uh, ISO shots that he usually does. And, yeah, unfortunately, it looks like this series will be wrapped up in one or two games. Looks like the, uh, it looks like the winner in, this, in the Western Conference right now, the winner of the Western Conference is Adam Silver. Because it looks like he's going to get exactly what he wants. Because on the flip side, we got Denver and uh, we got Denver and the Clippers. Series is honestly looking exactly the same on the on the other side of California right now. Yeah, Denver with uh, a big game two to tie it up, and then in game three, they had a chance to win that too. I believe they were up. They were up eleven or twelve. Uh, with like two, three minutes left in the half, and the Clippers just clawed back, got it down to three, and I, th- and then that was the big momentum changer for that game. I was watching that with, uh, with Dayon, and yeah, Jokic played extremely well. He was killing here or Montrez Harrell. He was killing Zubats, and Jamal Murray just wasn't able to get going. Um, Gary Harris wasn't able to get going. Uh, that's a game where, <coughs> sorry. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. played extremely well, and we'll get we'll get back to him later uh, with all of his controversy that's going on with him right now. But um, that was their chance to take a two-one lead in that series. They let that go. Uh, Paul George played really well. Kawhi again just comes up huge and makes the shots that you need to make to change the momentum of a game. And then yeah, they get blown out in uh, Game Four, and now they're down three-one. Unless they get a big miraculous um, round one run from Jamal Murray again, where he can average like forty points, it's gonna be tough. That team is too um, too strong on defense. Uh, they're getting Patrick Beverly back uh, back in the mix, and again, he's just a little fucking rat or a little just you know the same type of player like as Marcus Smart or Lowry, where he's gonna be a pest and make it hell on you. To, to get the ball or even to get the dribble off. So that team's really going to be tough to beat too. So, it'll, you know, like, do you have any thoughts on the play of any individual guys or just the overall um, thoughts on the series itself? Just Kawhi Leonard, just showing that he's the best. He's the best player in the NBA when, uh, I was going to say, when April starts. That's usually <laughs> playoff time. But when playoff basketball starts... Um, the chains are off, and Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA. Yeah. Um, last game, 39-11-9, um, with a cup with like four steals. Um, and it, it's not just that game. Like I, I would love to see his playoff stats right now because I believe they're disgusting. We don't have them up, but um, Kawhi's doing what Kawhi does. And 
um, this is the luxury that the Clippers have where the rest of the team can sort of uh, be on autopilot. You know, if the rest of the team doesn't show up, he's going to show up, keep you in the game, and most likely, most likely get you a win. Yeah, so I'm just pulling up the stats here. 29 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, shooting 52% from the field. Yeah, he's he's nasty. Oh man, I miss I miss having that guy. It would be really the the Raptors and Boston series would be a lot easier to watch if we had a guy that could just come down the floor, make us a bucket when we need to. Um, but yeah, so it looks like Lakers, Clippers uh, in the Western Conference Finals from the Adam Silver's Olympics. Adam Silver's dream. Yep. The NBA's dream, and uh, you know what? It's it's the matchup that everyone has wanted to see all year. Yeah, I'm glad it's happening. Yeah, um, there's they're gonna they're gonna represent the West Coast um, in a in a really entertaining way, and I, I could see this game. I said before we recorded the podcast that um, I was I could see the Clippers sweeping just because they have so many assets, but you know that LeBron and AD are gonna take them to the distance. Yeah, like I'm just thinking like who's who's gonna guard AD, like. No one. You know, it's that's probably going to be where it is. And then it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be great TV to see LeBron and Kawhi. I think that's the debate for the last year and a half. Who's the better player? Because Kawhi was able to lead the Raptors to the championship. And LeBron was sitting sitting out watching, watching the playoffs last year. So he's had a little bit of rest, especially with the bubble. And I think that's why he's playing so well. Because he's had so much time to just rejuvenate and... Um, get those legs rested. So yeah, will be a super interesting series. Speaking of entertaining TV, uh, tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, we have probably the biggest game in in Raptors, but history since since last game seven semifinals. <laughs> 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 but uh, but yeah, the Raptors are here. Um, they had they were almost on the verge of being down 0-3. They were almost on the verge of being down 3-1. Yep. Um, people keep saying that Boston is the more talented team, but here we are. We we keep grinding it out. Shout out to Nick Nurse for throwing a box and one on Kemba Walker all of game six yesterday. Yep. Um, and it worked. It really worked. Kyle Lowry played out of his mind. Every Raptor sort of had a glimpse of brilliance yesterday, just when you needed it. Yep. And um, and we're here now for a game seven. So let's quickly just talk about game six. I was just mentioning how Nick Nurse threw the box and one on Kemba Walker. Um, it was super effective until probably the second overtime when they started putting Tyson to the dunker spot. Yeah. And he had like three, four, five dunks in a row. Yeah. Yeah. He had probably th- he had probably three dunks, um, three dunks in the overtime uh, period there, but. Again, when, when, when you have Tice out there, um, he's matched up against OG. And I think outside of everything that Norm did, the biggest shot was the OG top of the key shot when the Raptors are down two. And that gave them the lead because they were down four, four in that uh, second uh, playoff period. And Boston had the ball. I think Lowry or Fred Van Vliet stole Stole the ball and kind of got the ball rolling there. And that was a huge shot to give them the lead. And then all the things that transpired with Norman Powell. Um, like you said, everyone played played pretty well, especially with with uh, the, the first uh, five games where you didn't see any hopes of glimpse or any uh, glimpse of hope for 
Marcus All making any shot he made two threes. Abaka with his bum bum ankle came in made those two huge threes. Three kind of, threes. Was it was it three? Was it three? I think it was three for three. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe, but yeah, he he was huge. If he if he wasn't in the game, I think we lose. Right. Because he gives that spark when we were struggling in the first quarter again. It's I don't know what's going on with this team where they're not being able to get anything going in the first, but they always rev it up in the third. Yeah. See, my, I have a I have a theory about that with the first quarter, and um, I'm not trying to sound irrational, and I'm not trying to undermine everything that this guy does, but I honestly feel like um, it's Gasol because. He is, he's such a savvy player. He's such a good defender. And I, I fully trust these open threes that he's getting. It's mm-hmm. just it's just a little a slump that he's going through. And fortunately, he was able to get out of it. But what I find is with a, youth, with a youthful Boston team, Gasol's a little bit of a ball holder. A little bit of a ball holder. Where, where I find like, um, and he's a little slow on his feet right now. Where I find that if you put Ibaka in, He'll give you that that fast tempo start. We can throw the first punch uh, style of basketball that that we kind of need right now. I think I think that uh, Nick Nurse should really think about um, starting Ibaka uh, in Game Seven, but I don't think it's going to yeah, happen. Ideally, yeah. I would just like to see it. I, I I understand the rationale to that, but again, it's just Gasol's been starting basically all year if he wasn't injured, and Ibaka plays really well off the bench. He's been playing really well with a bunch. Uh, playing against their second unit, he's been able to not only get his pick-and-pop three get going, but he has great hands in the post, and he has a great touch in there too. So anything he throws up, man, I'm feeling really confident right now. Really, really confident. And he's that one guy that's been consistent all series with OG Ananobi uh, being the other guy. Did you notice how tired OG Ananobi was yet, uh, two days ago? No, I didn't. No. Game six, he looked exhausted. Look up his minutes. I think he played close to like... Oh, no, he played 50 minutes. Yeah, played, 50 minutes. He played 50 minutes. He looked... I've never seen him look so tired um, ever. He was exhausted. And shout out to Nick Nurse. Uh, second overtime, we didn't play a center. No. No, no we, he, he, uh, he put on... And this is the thing because the, the four players that have been giving us production have been Lowry, Van Fleet, Powell... And OG, that game. Yeah, that game. So he went with it. Yeah. He went with it. He said, we're taking out the center. We're going to play all four of those guys. Yeah. Um, they threw the box in one. Fortunately, or unfortunately, Tice, Tice was ripping that apart. But uh, we had our best shooters or scorers on the floor, all of OT. Yeah, it's one because for the last four and a half minutes in regulation, they didn't score a bucket. Or they didn't score a point. But their defense held up. Allowing Boston to only score four uh, within those like four, four and a half, five minutes. Uh, so they had to change it up. And again, they had to get Norman Powell going. And I'll, I'll give Nick Nurse this. Even though it was a questionable uh, overtime decision at the end of uh, quarter number one or overtime quarter number one where they gave Norman Powell that shot, he was playing pretty well up to that point. They had Kemba on him. He said, okay, I'm just going to give you the ball, make a move. He had he took the uh, step back three, didn't go in. But I think that just gave him confidence going to the second. And you, you saw him play with, you know, he didn't hesitate at all. Anytime he got that corner, anytime he got a pass from the corner three, knocked it down. His free throws were just pure. Yeah. Uh, those are huge. If he hadn't missed one of those 
four or five free throws that he had in the second OT, uh, things might have looked differently, but he played extremely well. And again, Nick Nurse, I think, was one of his better coaching performances um, in a while, just leaving those five guards out there, or at least the the small ball there, and taking advantage of basically that defense that the Celtics had where they had to have Tyson OG and OG not only facilitated for the three that Powell got, and then he followed that up with a huge three at the top of the key, like I said before. Yeah. And again, OG also won three jump balls. That's three extra possessions in overtime um, that they uh, that they didn't have because he, he won the two uh, jump balls from the beginning of the uh, overtime quarters, and then he had there was like a... I forget what it was. Uh, I, I'm not. It was a wedgie, or it was something else where they had to do another jump ball, and he got that too. So, huge, huge game from OG once again. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about Boston for a bit. Um, they know who they are, and they've honestly been playing pretty consistent for this entire series. They've had um, they've had such a strong presence at the three point line, and. They killed us on baseline threes yeah. all game, game yeah. six. Yeah. Um, fortunately, Kemba Walker wasn't getting hot. Um, what's what's Boston's um, strategy going into game seven? Because right now, Nick Nurse is just playing chess. Honestly, this guy is throwing every gimmick he can. Every He's throwing in every wrinkle he can. And it seems to be working on Boston. But at the same time, Boston's playing super well. They're shooting the ball lights out, and they're give, they've literally erased Pascal Siakam from this series. Um, so, what do you think their approach is going into Game Seven? Their approach is to get Kemba Walker going. I think uh, the Raptors have done a really good job in canceling out one of the big three in every game. Every game. In every game, Jalen Brown had a bad. I think it was game, game five. He had like nine yeah. shots. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sorry, game Kemba. six, he had twenty-seven. Yeah, exactly. And then Jason Tatum. I think he had he's had two games where he's gone like five, four, like sixteen, seventeen. Kemba again, two poor games in, in the series so far. So the Raptors are able to again contain Kemba. I think they're able to do that just because he's a little smaller and they play great defense. Well, the box in one messes with your head for sure. And then the switch up, man. I was watching. Um, Coach Nick from Basketball Breakdown, and he was showing a clip where the Raptors were in a bo- uh, yeah a box and one against Kemba, and then when they screened uh, for Kemba, they switched back man to man. So shit like that, like that janky defense where they kind of you think you're going, you're switching, and you're gonna get that box and one, but it's they're transitioning into a man to man or like a triangle and two. It's yeah, it definitely plays with their head. And Kemba hasn't been able to get going. I know he had one big game uh, this series. But if the Raptors are able to contain Kemba, I think he is that X factor for them. If he's able to get them like 20 points, get them high assist numbers and play make for them. Uh, And then I'm expecting Tatum and Brown to have big games. Uh, Those guys always show up for those guys. And then I think the, the two other players that are big will be if, Marcus Smart is able to be a pest, and if he's able to make any threes, that's going to be a bonus for the Celtics. Um, but again, he's been on and off. He's been streaky as hell. He had a 
big shooting game. Had a triple double in game game six, mm-hmm. and Wanamaker made two threes in that early run in the first and second quarter for them. Uh, wasn't a big presence afterwards, but I think if Marcus Smart doesn't make his shots, uh, the Raptors have a really good chance because he's been that he's been that X factor on shooting for them. Uh, he's been making big threes. He made a big three in second overtime that somehow we were able to erase. And yeah, man, I think they they're a good team, man. And yeah, you, you, they're you, a good team. Man. Even uh, even Daniel Tice, um, I have so much respect for that guy. Yeah, because we're such a bigger team than them. And Tice was all over the offensive rebounds last game. And I would love to see what his field goal, field goal percentage was because I don't remember him really missing a bucket around the rim. No, he was he was 9 for 11. Yeah. And he had like 18 points. He played, he played like 45 minutes, something crazy like that. And I think his career high in playoff minutes is like 30. So he played like well over that. And... Yeah, man. Honestly, it's going to be a really, really fun Game 7. I just hope the Raptors are able to get going early so that they can get some sort of rhythm. Yeah, my expectation is that they're going to come out with good legs because a lot of people are saying, well, they're they're an old veteran team playing against a young team. I actually thought they weren't going to last two OTs because you had Boston, such a young team with young legs. I thought they were going to get outrun. Um, clearly not the case. So much heart, but... Um, yeah, I don't expect that to be the case for Game 7 because I think adrenaline's going to take over. Man, we need Powell, we need OG, and we need a 20-point game from Siakam. Yeah, okay, so let's just quickly touch on touch on Siakam. Again, he played extremely poorly on offense. He was 5 for 19, but his defense was on point. And, and that's why you got to keep him yeah, on the floor. Yeah, you keep him on the floor. He played 54 minutes or so, like, something crazy like that. And yeah, he just needs to get going. I think he just doesn't have to force anything. His, his mid range mid range shot looks good. His like post ups are a little iffy because yeah, again, Jalen Brown is just playing so well on him. But even though when when he gets a shot off, it's rimming in and out. And he had some uh, slashes into the the lane late in the game where it just rolled out. It just rolled out and so frustrating to watch because I know he's he's getting there and he's getting open looks. And the ball is just going rolling out. And they're, they're putting the ball in his hands late, late in the shot clock, late in the game. I think three, four times, and he was unable to capitalize. But he did make that shot, I believe, in the uh, first overtime, in the, like that baseline that shot. That little where, baseline where, jumper. Again, when yeah. he was playing so poorly, and at least he had the confidence to take it. Mm. And it, tie, it tied the game for us. Because let's say if he misses that shot, it could be over. Right? So there was... Four or five instances in in both overtime periods where the Raptors had to make a shot, and they did. And I think, you know, we keep talking about this championship pedigree and just the heart of a champion, but honestly, it was pretty incredible to watch them come back every time being down three, down four in a five-minute quarter and, you know, just take the punches and not get knocked out, you know? Ben, don't break, and I, I'm just trying to use all these cliches there, but... It's pretty amazing to watch this team go out there and just be able to squeak out a game like this. And I think if it goes down close, tight into a game, the Raptors got it. Like, they just can't get blown out. They can't get down 10, 15 early because that that's a hole that their offense isn't, isn't able to get out of. Yeah. You know how in the rhythm of the game, uh, game six, where 
Fred VanVleet started making threes. Gasol started making threes. Powell started attacking the rim. The offense looked so good. So everyone was playing well. I think the confidence from one player uh, bled into the confidence of another. And I think they need to get that going right now or like uh, tonight. And that's why I thought maybe the 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 solution to getting that going early is uh, putting a guy like Ibaka on the floor. Yeah. Uh, just for that that energy, that that high-tempo basketball. You can throw the first punch with him because um, he's blocking the hell out of the ball right now on the defensive end. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. You know, um, I can't wait. You know, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get through this work day today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. Uh, yeah, we got about 11 and a half hours until game time, but uh, we will definitely plan something out for dinner and watch the game tonight together, hopefully. So let's uh, let's just finish it off there. Yep. Um, let's do we it. will obviously have a follow-up podcast. A podcast for Game 7, and hopefully we can continue with the Raptors talk for our Raptors and Miami Heat series. But if not, you know, unreal season. I really want to go any further than that. Let's just end it off there. Raptors, let's go Game 7, 9 o'clock. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. More content to come. Have a great night. Enjoy the NBA. Um, Bubble basketball is officially my favorite. (laughs) All right, peace. Peace.